This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast with your hosts, Kathy Celestri and Jonathan Kyle. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Florida Spectacular. I am one of your hosts, Kathy Celestri, uh, joined by the aqua furious Rick Kilby. And the even more waterlogged Ryan Worthington today. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good, good, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Our little pre-show talk about the fate of Florida Springs has got me a little depressed. But I'm sure you're going to show us the way you and Rick are feeling better about this. Right, Rick? I, well, I hope so. It's, <laughs> it's an uphill battle, that's for sure. So in case everybody listening hasn't guessed it, today we're going to talk about Florida Springs. Um, there were some good things that happened earlier in 2023 with Florida Springs. And you know, Rick has a book, Healing Waters, and Ryan's retired and apparently all he does now is seek out springs in Florida if you follow his Instagram page. I think you actually might be part merman at this point, Ryan. Is that about right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy... Uh almost everything Florida has to offer with Springs. I, I still have my nine to five job. I just am very uh, active on the weekends and days off. Wait, you have a nine to five job? Yeah. How does that fit in with, I mean, do you just like hit the gate at five o'clock and immediately spin off to a spring somewhere? I mean, you're pretty <laughs> well-traveled. I feel like I'm not doing enough to see Florida when I follow you. I get very, you shame me. You insta-shame me. <laughs> don't don't mean to insta shame anyone but it's uh yeah i'm very strategic about it i um i really try and hit like the springs when nobody's there which is pretty inconvenient um when it comes to uh weather or you know or times to go but uh i, I, I do have a think good there's a time when nobody's at the springs unfortunately anymore it's getting harder to yeah. more difficult to find those those times the best time to go is when it's cold, though, because, you know, mm -hmm. people tend to, to go be attracted to our springs when it's hotter out and, you know, they want relief from the heat and they go to a spring. But when the air is colder, that's the time I think it's best to go to a spring. <laughs> Sorry. Did you not tell everybody? People are actually starting to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember going to Wikiwachi Springs. Not Wikiwachi, geez, Wakaiva. And uh, we went in it, and it was a September afternoon, and there were maybe two or three other people there. And so I nostalgically, this was 2011, I nostalgically went there last year and we booked a campsite. I'm like, we'll just ride our bike over to the spring, it'll be empty. And oh, my sweet Jesus. I mean, every, it was wall to wall people. And I, I mean, no disrespect to kids, but a lot of kids being in that spring, I'm pretty sure. And adults. <laughs> not, I want to say not the biggest threat to our springs. To no. be clear. Depends on the flow, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, I see what you did there. So let's talk a little bit um, about a spring by my house because it relates to protecting the springs. Um, I live on the Gulf Coast and I'm on a bay, Boca Siega Bay, and about a mile from my house, there's a little, they call them pocket parks, which means that they're not really big sprawling parks. They're basically right-of-ways 
that you can go on in between houses and you're not breaking any laws. And I give a walking tour of, of Gulfport and I like to show people this freshwater spring on the water because people don't think about that. You know, the, the West Coast of Florida, the continental shelf goes out about 100 miles. So during the last ice age, there, there was a lot more land on our side of the state and a lot more springs. But the springs are still there. And uh, so I take people down on this walking tour to this pocket park and I tell them to look to basically the West and they, they can see one yard over, there is a freshwater spring that bubbles up and is in this person's backyard, right on, right on Boca Ciega Bay. And people are amazed, but I always use that moment to talk about protecting the springs because if you look around this freshwater spring, there is all this grass and not native Florida grasses. It's like St. Augustine, something like that. Very nicely manicured, very green. And so you know that that doesn't happen on its own in Florida. Like there, I don't see any weeds. I don't see any dying grass. You know, first of all, it, it's very well um, attended to. And I don't mean that in a good way. So, you know, there's a lot of fertilizer and herbicide that's probably going right into that spring. People will say, so is that water you could drink? And I say, well, technically, but, and I use that moment to talk about how the springs really have no protection. I mean, essentially, you know, we have this clean water and we talk about it, but there's very little protection for springs, especially springs on private property. Um, so with that in mind, I think we did have a good, I don't know, starting point to talk about what some people say is a victory for springs that happened. And that's, that's I think, Ryan, where you come in, because you were pretty excited about it. And you work with the Springs Council, right? Yeah, I do a little bit of volunteer work with the Florida, Florida Springs Council. Uh, definitely believe in them, but uh, they they... They did win a um, what's called the BMAP case. Uh, BMAP stands for a Basin Management Action Plan. And uh, in short, what the legislator did at one point is made a list of these, uh, you know, Florida outstanding springs that they they really wanted to protect. And uh, the Department of Environmental Protection had to have like a twenty year plan on. Uh, how to get the water quality under control uh, because of nutrient pollution primarily. And uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to back up. I mean, we say nutrient. I mean, let's, let's be clear on what that is because if your doctor says you need more nutrients, that's good. But the nutrients we're talking about in our springs are not good. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. What is a nutrient and why is it bad for the spring? Springs. Sure. Uh, the, um, um, the most, I think the, the most common one is, uh, is your uh, nitrogen or your nitrate levels in the springs. That comes from your fertilizer, your lawn fertilizer, most notably. Uh, also agriculture. Uh, so farming, especially around like the, the Suwannee River and Santa Fe River, you're very, very porous, um, you know, like a sandy soil. And when they, they, they use the fertilizer on the crops, it just goes right through. Uh, into the aquifer and then comes out in the springs. Uh, if you're in some of the central Florida springs, uh, such as uh, Wakaiva, uh, 
blue spring and um um like rock springs run or also known as kelly park those have more um lawn fertilizer and maybe septic uh sources of, of nutrient pollution so septic and uh and and fertilizer that we just discussed those are the common uh contributors to nutrient pollution in the springs all right thank you for that little diversion and that relates to bmap you um, because yeah the so there's an area around the springs uh that and and rick can correct me if i'm if i could be uh, clarified a little bit better but there's a physical area around the spring which is the basin so a lot of your your, your rain and your, your runoff and everything else enters into this area around the spring and it, it ultimately will come out in the spring's discharge. So if you do have uh, nutrient pollution, fertilizer, septic, uh, and whatnot in that area, it'll come, it'll add uh, the, the nutrient pollution to the spring. And you'll see it because there'll be increased algae growth. So the, a lot of, you go to Silver Springs now, if you look at the uh, submerged grasses, you'll notice that they're coated with algae. Uh, Itchitucknee, you'll see it. If you go to, there's some other springs as well. Almost all, all of them, you'll see that. If it gets really bad, it, it, uh, the algae affects uh, the normal processes, the food chain, uh, because they, it, it, it darkens the water. It makes it harder for uh, the, a lot of the submerged grasses to get the, if, if there's tainting of the water through algae, get the sunlight that they need. And then also the... Um, as some of that plant life dies, it consumes oxygen, and then you got lower dissolved oxygen uh, in in the water. So those are some things that that, that actually harm the springs. Um, the the case that the, the the difference that it made in the case is the Department of Environmental Protection was focusing on things that were not um, there were not major contributors, like primarily septic. Now septic's important, but uh, it's nowhere near of what agriculture is. They're steering a little bit clear of special interest agriculture, and they're focusing primarily on septic, which wasn't going to make a substantial difference. It wasn't going to restore the springs. So it was a very long, um, almost four-year court battle to to go through, and uh, in, a, in a court of appeals ruled in the favor of Florida Springs Council, where now the Department of Environmental Protection has to go in and and make a concrete plan that will actually make a difference for the springs. And that's where we're at right now. I want to add that um, it depends on the spring because some of the springs in central Florida, like Volusia Blue Spring, you know, there's, if you look at a map in the, in the um, action plan that Bob Knight and the Florida Springs Institute put out, they have a map of all the septic tanks in the area. And that, in that spring in particular, the septic is big. And in Wakaiwa Springs too, you know, it's all developed around Wakaiwa and there are, they're all on septic. And that's, but in the springs, in really in spring, the heart of springs country, it's, it's not septic tanks at all. It really depends on the spring. And uh, another thing to add, you know, like the, the story you told about the spring in Pinellas County in Gulfport, uh, you know, the, the basins are huge where, where all the water and all the, the nutrients soak into the earth. So it's a lot more than just what's right around the spring. You know, we're talking for miles and um, Alachua County does a really good job as you drive through Alachua and High Springs. They have signs that show you when you're entering the 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 spring basin, you, you know, where all the, so the water from that point on is 
going in and coming out in the spring, you know, soaking into the ground, going to the aquifer and comes out in a spring. So you know the moment when you are in the spring shed for a particular spring. They do that also um, in Volusia County too, on, in DeBerry and DeLand near um, Volusia Blue Springs. So let's let's just, for the purposes of people listening, describing a basin. I think that's a word that maybe we toss around a lot and feel pretty good about. And and the best way I can describe a basin to somebody is you think about an area, uh, think of it literally as a very shallow, especially in Florida, sink, like a, a bowl, like a, a basin you would wash your face in, a wash bowl. And all the water that falls in that area, all the rainfall, all the irrigation water drains to the lowest point of that basin. And that's oftentimes the spring, which is problematic. So that anything in that basin, in that big sink bowl um, that's on one side, when it rains, all that stuff gets washed into the lowest point. And that's um, why the basin is a little bit bigger than the spring, usually a lot bigger than the spring. Uh, that's the best way I can think of to describe it, but I'm open to other interpretations. Now, does that work for you, Ryan, you think? Yes. Yes. If if you notice in like a lot of the Florida state parks, they do have a lot of land that is around the spring that they monitor and you don't get that same pollution. But uh, outside of the park boundary, they have no control. That basin is so much wider. And that's why it encompasses, uh, you know, like you said, a very large land area. And if anybody gets on like, say, like Google Earth and looks at around the Suwannee and Santa Fe rivers, You'll just see the the massive amount of agriculture that's that's over there, and like you said, in Springs Country, that's contributing to that. So, let's let's go positive for just a moment. <laughs> um, let's do a few of our favorite springs. Uh, Ryan, what would be uh, your very favorite spring in Florida? Um, Blue Hole, which is a first magnitude spring that feeds uh, the Itchituckney River. It is. The vent where the water comes out is actually a um, a cave opening that you can look straight down uh, 40 feet. And it's like this room they call the jug. It's just absolutely amazing to swim out in the middle of that spring, look down and see that. There, Rick. You know, that keeps changing. I used to say De, De Leon Springs in Volusia County because, you know, the pancakes and the history there. It's got a remarkable history. But uh, I don't know that they're doing as great a job as of interpreting that history as I would like. And they just redid the pancake house, and I'm mad because they took down the old crusty artifacts. So I'm going to go with Gilchrist Blue Springs because that is it's a beautiful spring. You know, there's all these other springs you can you know you can hike to or swim to. I think Naked Springs is open again for a while. They, you know, there's this wonderful underwater growth that. Um, was being trampled on so they blocked it off so you couldn't walk to it but now i think it's open again and it's it's a great you know it's so different from jenny springs which is nearby in a lot of ways because it gets partied at quite a bit but it's a, a wonderful beautiful spring on the santa fe river so what about you what would you well, say wait a minute before we say before we even talk about mine let's talk about the fact that you the grandmaster of all things florida spring related is making evaluations based on pancakes. 
and, <laughs> and not much else. I think that's that's definitely of note here. <laughs> well, um, I could go into the history, but it would take a whole show plus. Uh, okay, fair. I mean, I, 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 I will do it. Think there's more than pancakes <laughs> in support of uh, of what's happening here. Well, there's water skiing elephant there, in their history. There's water skiing elephants. There's Monkey Island. There's a big uh, cypress tree called Methuselah. You know, I could go on. Jan, John James Audubon stopped. You know, they they sold it as a place where there were healing waters. I could go on and on and on. You see, those are all more fascinating than pancakes. Yeah, pan- pancakes are good though, especially when you make them yourself. It's, there's something, something. I don't know. Everybody can connect to hunger. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just gonna say this whole make make your own food movement. I do that at home already. I don't need to go out to eat to a state park and pay somebody to let me make the food I'm paying them for. But anyway, I just so what's your favorite? Clarify. What's your favorite? I can't pick one. That's like asking me to pick a favorite cheese. I don't know. Um, I it, it's like you. It kind of bounces all over the place. I yeah. I really honestly. I love the little scrappy springs. I mean, there's some sense of wonder, right? Like I love, I think most of all manatee springs and fanning springs, because when you walk there, it feels like you're just falling into a spring. Like you're walking through the woods and it's down leaves and there's ticks everywhere as my dog and I can both attest. And, you know, it's like a little forest. And then this, this, this beautiful teal opalescent hole just opens up in the earth and just kind of like a, holy shit it's florida movement moment and um i like that but i like you know the little scrappy springs too like the little spring on private property um by my house the um springs i swam with the manatee i did one of the manatee tours i guess more than a decade ago at crystal river and when you're done swimming with the manatee which is really kind of a misnomer manatee aren't exactly athletic um when you're done floating with the manatee uh, they take you over to what is it three sisters and you you have to get off their little boat and walk into it and that's really cool everybody loves three sisters but what i liked the most uh was as we were walking into three sisters then it's crystal clear water hence the name crystal river and um you could see your toes in the sand and you can see all these little tiny vents and boils coming up i mean these are springs that are the holes are no bigger than my thumb and you can see the water coming out of it. And like that to me is probably a little bit of a different way than than either of you were thinking. But that to me really epitomizes just how magical this is. I mean, if you think about that every day in Florida, we're walking around on something that is pulsing with so much pressure and life that if there's just a thin little piece in the veil, it pushes itself out even in like little tiny bits. That to me is something that always really amazes me. And I know that's not what most people think. They want to look down at the big vast blue and go, oh my God, springs, holy shit. But I like those little ones because they show up everywhere. I think everywhere. I think there's a magic to all the springs. Even, you know, I've been wowed by artesian wells. You know, it's the same water, but, you know, somebody drilled a well there, but it's still flowing water from deep beneath the earth and there's a certain power to it if you allow you know 
supposedly we have at least a thousand freshwater springs in Florida, but I've heard Dr. Knight say, you know, that be maybe a huge undercount because of all the little places like you're talking about. A great example is Clifton Springs, which is in Seminole County, I think. And it's kind of browned out all the time. You can't even see it. But if you cross the road from the park, there's a little canal and what you find is little sand boils, like you're talking about, that are springs that don't have names, you know, and, and you know, they back up to people's yards, like, again, like you talked about, and no telling how many of those places there are that don't, you know, around Florida. In Pinellas County, I know there's a bunch up uh, near Clearwater that in the backs of people's yards. So there's, there's in Boca Ciega Bay, where the same body of water, when I worked, I had a part time job on some sailboats and we would take tourists out looking for dolphin and there are parts of the bay where even when it's super cold you'll find the manatee congregating and if you look you can actually see the disturbance in the water there's freshwater springs in the salt water right and i don't think when we say 933 freshwater springs in florida um i don't think it counts those i really don't i don't think those things get counted and those are I think this is one of the ways we do a disservice to Florida and our springs is we want to, let me put it this way. There was a newspaper columnist some years ago who wrote a piece for the local paper called Real Florida. And it always, you know, it was very popular. The name bothered me because we do this thing where we say, oh, this is real Florida. And so that means that if we're describing a certain type of thing as real Florida, all the other stuff isn't real Florida. That's some invented Florida. And that's not worth saving. So when we talk about, it translates, right? We talk about springs and we say 933 springs and they're all the week. What kind of a, you know, Gilcrest blue, peacock springs. And then somebody stumbles across this thing in their backyard. Well, that's, that's not a spring that no one cares about that. And I think we do a disservice. I think we need to really reinforce to people that this type of magic is possibly in your own backyard, what you think might just be a low spot. You know, we need to really do a better job selling that type of magic, the granular magic that's Florida, not just the big blue magic. Yeah. I have a question for Ryan. In your explorations of Backwoods, Florida, have you stumbled across springs that don't have names that, you know, perhaps you you discovered? Because I know there's been a couple of times in the woods where you see things and you know you can tell one if there's sulfur in the water you can tell because there'd be that that white bacteria stuff that lives off the sulfur um and i'm not that may not be the exact science um but other times the it look the there's growth like minerals around it that may indicate a high presence of iron you know and you can find it bubbling up along the banks they're really more like seeps i guess have you come across that ryan in your explorations um, yeah, I've found them uh, hiking, uh, but most of the ones I've found have been discovered before, named or at least given a nickname. Um, some of the ones that are fascinating, if you want to see these out of the way springs, is a Seminole State Forest yeah. in Central Florida. There's a ton of sulfur springs there uh, that that I enjoy uh, hiking to and, and just taking them in because there's normally nobody around them, and you can just have that little personal paradise as far as long as you're willing to sit there and enjoy it yeah i love their sharks tooth spring is one of the ones there and i think there's bear spring so the naturalist and writer bill belleville who i'm a big fan of at some point when they were we were uh in a drought got a topographical map 
and you know the the swamp had was pretty much dried up and he found looked for the low spots thinking that those would be those places you talked about Kathy where you know surface water um not not surface water but groundwater had pierced the earth and bubble up in the form of a spring but normally you can't see it because it's covered by swamp well bill discovered two non-named springs you know that nobody had ever given a name before one of them was uh Helena I think he named and Serena and he gave them names and now they give tours to these springs that nobody knew about in the past and it's exciting to me that in the state of Florida that's you know third largest by population and they're you know paving over parts of it every single day there's still springs that haven't been named yet and that to me that's hope right there hope is a good word hope is what we need things feel a little bleak um when we talk about development i mean we we're we're certainly making victories um we're we're getting victories they're just not what they need to be they they're good though any victories good like the florida wildlife corridor that's huge that's fantastic how many springs are protected on those pasture lands that haven't been documented right like so that's that's hope um but i i want to know more about Serena Springs. Um, Serena, I think. Serena? Like yeah. Okay. Well, so these, like he, like Ryan said, in the Seminole State Forest, you're not going to find them on a map. You know, you have to have somebody who knows where they are. Uh, Moccasin Spring, I think, is one made that might be on a map. That's um, mm-hmm. one of the larger ones. They all kind of trickle into the uh, either Little Wakiva or Wakiva River. I'm not sure which is it. It's um. I think it's Wakiva. I don't remember it. It, it eventually makes it out to those. Yeah, and there's Blackwater Creek is back there too, and I think that it's a great yeah, place to is. explore. It's you know, uh, you have to get a code unless you, well, I think you can walk in without a code, but it's helpful to get a code to get in, and then you can drive your car back there. The code opens the gate, and there are parking areas, but and I think there's signs to Sharks Tooth Springs, if I remember correctly, but some of the springs you cannot find unless you know somebody who knows where they are, unless you stumble across them on your own. Maybe we should start a secret yeah, spring sh- society. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Sharks Tooth is- Springs, you need the code. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, uh, I was just going to say, yeah, Sharks Tooth is right off the Florida Trail. Moggason is right next to a campsite. Um, and I think Helen or Helene Springs, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. That one is a very beautiful, one of the largest in the area. And I noticed they had blazes going to that one now. Oh, um, they it do. Is, it's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I went, um, there was no blazes and there was no trail. And, you you know, Bill Belleville led a group and we had to get there. But, you know, the, so that brings us to a, a great point. And I saw something about this on Ron's Facebook page is that in some cases we love our springs to death. And I wrote an article about it for the Gainesville Sun is that what I've seen since I've been involved with Florida Springs is we've done such a good job at creating awareness of them. And they're so Instagrammable that people have dis- discovered our springs and in some cases we love them to death and you you know like a great example is what i talked about at gilchrist blue where so many people trampled on the you know the grass growing there in the underwater that it killed it and we need to do a better job of loving our springs in a healthful way and not leaving beer cans and beer bottles and all that kind of trash and and you know you, you don't want to walk you know, you want to try and stay along the surface and um, because there is a whole chain of life 
that's reliant on the stuff that grows underneath near our springs. Right. But people just see the limestone and they don't think about that. It looks clear so they can, they can just go wherever they want in the springs. You know, I always found it odd that we will close our state parks at capacity for parking. And I wonder, do we think about, is that the capacity the spring can handle for the day or is that just the parking? And of course it's just the parking, right? It's just Hmm. that you need to maybe start thinking about, Hey, you know, this is how much we can do in a, how much damage can a spring sustain in a day before it cumulatively, cumulatively, I can say it, becomes a problem um, because they are popular. And I don't blame you. If you live in central Florida, you can't get to a beach easy. And, you know, you want to take your kids and cool off somewhere. And so you do. I'll tell you the, the thing that, that, that I feel that is one of the largest threats is our water usage. Right now yeah. we're pumping massive amounts of water out of the aquifer. And if you notice, some springs are just slowly drying up. Um, one of the most notable ones that you can easily see is White Sulphur Springs in, uh, in White Springs, Florida. Uh, there's this old spring house, and Rick goes into it great, you know, wonderfully in his book. Uh, but yeah, that spring hasn't flowed regularly since I believe the 70s. And um, it's due to water usage, uh, some point to Jacksonville and phosphate mining in the area. Uh, but there's these other springs that just have greatly reduced flows, less water is coming out almost universally out of the springs. And the ones that are more fragile are, are drying up or becoming stagnant. And then, of course, we have um, saltwater intrusion with the springs. Mm. You know, uh, saltwater is denser. Than fresh water, and if you overpump a spring, if you if you going the other way, which happened a lot in Pasco County, people put in uh, wells for irrigation, and they overpumped the what they thought was just a lake in their backyard. Um, yeah, they put these developments around these holes with water in them. Oh, we've got a lake. Well, no, technically it might have been a spring, and they would pump directly out of that, and then all of a sudden things would start. Their beautiful green grass would would start to die because. They had pumped so much fresh water, they had they had saltwater intrusion in the spring, and that of course killed everything. And once you get saltwater intrusion in a spring, it's it, you can't get rid of it. It's done. The spring's gone forever, and that's that's um, another threat. You yeah, talked that, about there well, are no. saltwater springs. Um, there's that one state park that's near Homosassa that has a number of springs, but they're salt springs. So you know. They lack the beauty and they don't have the same ecosystem as a freshwater spring. And the one I remember from when I was a kid on the St. John's River was called the Croker Hole. And it was right by Little Lake George in the middle of the St. John's. And you only knew it was there because all the fishermen would be have their boats parked around it because that's where all the stripers would go because the salt water attracted the stripers and you could just park over that, you know, drop some live bait and just reel in one fish after another, after another. But I've talked to divers who've gone down into it and they say there's this weird phenomenon where the salt water and where the freshwater mixes, there's this weird optical thing that happens and you you see this, it kind of distorts your vision. It's, it's kind of this weird um, sensation. But so there are saltwater springs, but, you know, we are risking our freshwater springs because beneath the, the layer of freshwater is often saltwater. Like you said, it's denser. And if the freshwater, um, you know, we suck all the freshwater out, that's what's beneath it. And that would be a horrible thing for our state. 
Yeah, it becomes it becomes a different state then without yeah. all that fresh water. I mean, it's yeah. it's um, you know. So cheerful stuff. Good times. <laughs> um, let's let's go with uh, so hopefully we did a little bit of good things like how can we you know with springs uh, maybe not use so many fertilizer in your so many fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides in your yard even if you don't think you live by a spring um, and then we talked about some good springs and what let's end with what are some respectful non-consumptive ways to enjoy Florida Springs. Like, I don't want to tell anybody they can't bring their kid to a spring and swim. But let's talk about ways people can enjoy and appreciate Florida Springs without being part of the problem. And is that possible? Wow. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no. It's uh, no, definitely possible. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of springs out there that they have uh, either state parks or controls. Ginny Springs is not one of them uh, that help protect the spring. Um, like, uh, say, at Chautauqua, they, they found out that uh, tubers and swimmers were harming part of the river. So they closed it off to only uh, paddlers. So there's are, there are some springs. They're also they're deep where your feet can't touch the bottom and disrupt uh, the submerged grasses. So it just depends. Uh, usually the smart thing is just enjoy the spring. Pretend that the, the floor is lava in the spring and have as little contact as beyond the water uh, that, you know, that, that's absolutely necessary. And that's the best way to enjoy some of them. So there are a lot of parks out there that where you can go hang out and responsibly enjoy a spring. The floor is lava. I love that. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. It's um, our T-shirt for today. <laughs> we we seem to always come up with some kind of theme for a t-shirt you know the other thing is i think about green spring in volusia county which is one i i go to just to look at you're not supposed to swim in it and people do because there's this big live oak that goes right over this the spring mm. and but the water is opaque so you cannot see the bottom i would never jump in there because there's alligators usually there's alligators in there and but it's I stopped just to look at the beauty. The water kind of shifts depending on the uh, atmospheric conditions. Sometimes it's kind of an emerald green. Sometimes it's kind of topazy, depending on the cloud cover. And I just, you know, I gaze in awe at its beauty. And I never have touched the water because I'm not going to. But a lot of people do. So, you know, maybe that's another way you can go. Or maybe you can go have pancakes. <laughs> you and your pancakes. She just rolled her eyes at me, folks. <laughs> I did. I did. Pancakes, really? Come on. Um, I would add to that that paddling is an excellent and safe way to enjoy the springs. I, I think that... Um, also, when I see this a lot, the signs about don't go here when you go to a state park, stuff like that, like don't don't go on foot. Trying to think how the sign words it, but there are parts of some springs where it says no foot traffic here. No foot traffic past this point. That's for a reason. Like yeah. obey the signs, pay attention. They're not there just to be a giant can't say the word I want to say killjoy that's more PG uh, you know they're not out to get you with the signs but that's that's a huge one paddling is amazing um, and it's a really non-disruptive way to see the springs and it's also going to up your chance of seeing wildlife 
Um, paddling is quiet unless you're an idiot. Um, it's a nice, <laughs> sounds bad. I mean, unless you're one of those guys going down the river and you've got like a cooler of, you know, Jack Daniels cocktails or something. And you're like, Hey, Hey, New York over here. Let's talk about how great it is or whatever they do. I've seen this. Um, it's a really bad New York impression. Um, but you know, they, they come down and they, they, it's their playground. And so you're loud and you're paddling and all that. Well, don't paddle that way. Be, you know, just be quiet and paddle and you will see animals come out that you will not see if you're splashing around. I mean, you'll see birds, you'll see gators, which incidentally, if you're in a kayak, the gators usually won't bother you, which is nice to know. Not so much if you've, you know, got a little three-year-old hanging out in the springs. What? Am I wrong? Uh yeah. You know, there there are alligators in springs, for sure. And um, you would need to keep, hold the hand of your three-year-old if you're there, for sure. Yes. Um, I met a guy a couple weeks ago who was actually attacked by an alligator. And uh, great. Not for him. Uh, the only reason he survived is he was in uh, he was in the Peace River, which is not a spring. It's, it's a river. But he was scuba diving in the Peace River looking for fossils. And... Um, gator came after him and the only reason he survived is because he had a scuba gear on so when the gator did the roll you know they roll you to try and kill you um he he just hung on and fought and the gator finally swam away wow wow yeah um so yeah sorry got a, got a little way but yeah so kayaking <laughs> rather than than swimming in the springs um if you do want to swim in the springs and you do want to bring your child of course be careful like rick says hold their hand and if they're not toilet trained, please, please put a swim diaper on them, please. <laughs> I know it's not the biggest threat facing the springs, but it's the most disgusting one, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel bad. I feel like I've, I've just said people shouldn't go visit the springs. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, Well, there are a lot of them and go find your favorite. I would encourage everybody to find their favorite, you know. Uh, you know, they're mostly in the northern part of the state, in the peninsula and the panhandle, but go explore. But, you know, there's a few in South Florida. You know, there's, like you said, Pinellas County has these great hidden springs. How fun would it be to try and explore all the hidden springs of Pinellas County? That would be cool. It would be cool without yeah. trespassing, of course. Yes, yes. You yes. get shot. <laughs> Wall Springs is a great one right there near Clearwater. I recommend yeah, it. Yeah, and it was closed for a long time. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we're we're sprung out. We've sprung. Brian, do you have anything you want to add to this? Um, no, I just think it's uh, you know, it, actually, yeah. Enjoy the springs. It's very important. Uh, just uh, and uh, I think in, some people will put loving the springs to death as is a serious threat, but I think we need to advocate uh, for them. Uh, because um, as we we're discussing earlier before the, the podcast, there's a number of measures that can prevent uh, local governments from protecting either these their local waterways, including the springs. So it's, um, you know, be active, uh, know what's know, know what laws, bills and amendments are, are going into effect and and write and contact or meet with your elected officials to advocate for the springs. Uh, we have more. Uh, artesian springs here in florida than anywhere else in the world they're truly unique gem and they're slowly dying unfortunately but they're Sometimes absolutely not. still beautiful 
(laughs) (laughs) They are uh, sometimes not so slowly dying and they are still beautiful. Um, And so what you alluded to, Ryan, oddly enough, as we were sitting here and I'm taking show notes in a draft of an email that I sent off to our producer, I actually got an email from the Florida Springs Council as we were doing the podcast about uh, HB 359. So um, that's um, the one we were talking about before the episode started, that the the Florida legislature um, is, um, there's a bill that's been introduced in the Florida legislature, HB 359, that um, basically, well, I'll just read how they describe it. Um, it's introduced, it will crush attempts to fight back against irresponsible development. And, and you were talking about this, Ryan, in essence, um, if you sue a developer because you think they're doing harm to the environment, like you, you, you sue a developer who's been giving a permit to, uh, pave over burrowing owl nests or, um, build something right on a spring or next to a spring or fill in, you know, pave over a spring or something like that. And you lose. Um, it requires a losing party to pay attorney fees and costs if they're challenging comprehensive plans or amendments. It's basically making it so that you can't afford to take people to court. Is that is that how you understand it? Yes, yes. You're you're competing with the nat- with the financial resources of developers and possibly large businesses. So like you said, if they want to build a Walmart next to your house and you wanted to sue over it because you didn't think it belonged there, it was against their, their original zoning plan, you're competing against the, uh, the, the legal and financial resources of Walmart for, in that matter. Um, but it's great. Uh, Florida Springs Council, uh, what is great is Florida Springs Council has, uh, you can sign up with them for email alerts. And if you go through their links, um, when they do have these alerts to contact your elected officials and, and use uh, their system, they are able to send the the, uh, the you know the the email to the legislature where it needs to go because some of these bills you know uh, they go through a committee. So there's a group of people that will you know as it as the bill goes on its way to become law, it'll go through these various committees in our legislature and they. Um, and they need to know that, that we oppose that. And so they're able to make sure that the, the, the legislators that need to see it will get uh, your contact information. So it's a very good tool if you want to uh, have that easy and stress-free uh, way of, of letting your voice be heard. So, Ryan, how can people find you on social media? What should they look for? Oh, I am um, I am the Florida excursionist, uh, primarily on Instagram. Um, and also, I just started a, a, a podcast with a, a couple other uh, conservationists, like-minded friends of mine, and it's called the Florida Madcaps, as in we're a little bit eccentric in our love for Florida, <laughs> and uh, we can be reached there. Uh, it's a conservation and recreation podcast. We have guests. We talk about some of the great places in Florida. Hey, we just started it. Cool. But those Good are the two luck. best ways. We will have... Uh... Links to both those, of course, along with many of the springs and a couple other things we mentioned in the show notes. So you can definitely, I can attest, I've listened to Ryan's podcast. It is good. You should listen. Everybody should listen. Um, 
we need more good people talking about Florida to people who want to listen. So uh, definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's important for us to uh, like have a conservation minded set because uh, there's so many in Florida that, you know, they, they go from their suburbs to their job and their experience with, you know, the environment is, or wildlife say is like the raccoons and opossums that get in their trash and the armadillos that are digging up their, their beautifully manicured lawn. And there's so much more to Florida uh, to be seen and experienced. The springs, the, the, the forests, uh, the different habitats, it's all beautiful. It's, um, it is, and your backyard can be part of that. So if you listen to a podcast on your way to and from work, and uh, it inspires you to do something better with your little corner of paradise, then that's great. So that's why I think we need as many Florida podcasts talking about these things as possible. And I'm glad you have one. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's as, a, as usual, it's a pleasure. I definitely am a huge fan of yours. I enjoyed uh, your book and, and Rick's as well. Uh, it's uh, They were very formative for me and road tripping and anytime uh, healing waters, of course, if you can combine springs with Florida history, it's, it's right up my alley. And I, I've enjoyed both of them. So I'm also a fan of, of both of both of you. Thank Aww. you. We love fans. Um, <laughs> and do you still have your weekend gig? At the state um, park? Oh yeah. So uh, I have not uh, been volunteering um, very sparsely over the last couple of months. Uh, I do have uh, some property um, where I, I keep bees and stuff like that and, you know, have chickens. So that is very labor intensive over the winter and early spring months. So I take some time off. I may be back uh, later in a few months or in definitely probably during the summer to uh, give tours over at, uh, at and help out at Marjorie Kenning Rowling State Park. And so that's what I was, you know, you heard Ryan before on our podcast. I've said this and I'll say it again for new, new listeners. Um, Ryan is the volunteer tour guide at Marjorie Kinnon Rollins, uh, was it state historic site or state park? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, Marjorie Kinnon Rollins historic state park, I believe is the correct as the full but, blown title. Well, it, it's the only Marjorie Kinnon Rollins state facility so find it go there on the weekend and look for ryan to give the tour because he gives such a good honest tour he doesn't sugarcoat anything and i love that right i love that so much about your tour um and i think everybody needs to learn about uh the marjorie you described so that's my plug for your thing that you don't get paid for <laughs> thank you very much i don't I, I don't like fairy tales so i like to you know uh, try and be as direct um as possible when when talking about Marjorie. I'm a huge fan of hers, by the way, but uh, yeah. Well, you can be a fan of somebody and not think they're perfect. I love mm -hmm. Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett's songs, but I think he has a shit voice. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry, he's a beautiful guitar player. He's a gifted songwriter, but he's not a good singer. I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm not too worried he's going to come at me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, those are, that's kind of uh, sacrilegious for a lot of Floridians to say that. But I'm not a fan either. I will say that. I'm not a Jimmy Buffett lover at all. But going back to Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings, 
one of the at the very beginning of the yearling she talks about going to uh jody going to a spring and making little water wheels and that spring is in the ocala national forest and you can visit today it's a sand boil like you talked about and one of the things you can explore and get a little bit of history too perfect see how we brought it full circle there Ryan? <laughs> yeah beautiful it's a damn art form over here at this podcast it really is <laughs> all right I'm well i'm notes. gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm going to call it a day because I have to uh, real close and start the drive over to, to Winter Park where I'm going to hang out with Rick for about an hour or so tonight. And uh, next week on the podcast, listeners, next episode will be all about Winter Park. Not all about Winter Park. A lot about Winter Park. So. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, thanks for taking time out of your day away from your bees to be with us. And uh, thank everybody else for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Florida Spectacular.